Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to episode number 32 of Painting the Corners with Anton Schindler, brought to you by 90.5 KCSU. In last week's episode, we did a final recap of the 2021 season after the Atlanta Braves defeated the Houston Astros in the World Series, and we talked about how incredible of a year this was compared to those in the past. We then talked about the insanity of the record-breaking 2000 MLB season, which held the record for most home runs hit in a year, a record that wasn't broken for another 17 seasons. And, talking about the home run frenzy that occurred this year, it reminded me of a story that happened just two years prior of that incredible 2000 season. This is the story of the long-gone summer. Let me set the scene for you. The year is 1998, and tensions between the players and the owners are still running pretty high after the 1994-1995 MLB strike that canceled 938 games and the entire 1994 postseason, including the World Series. Baseball, at the time, was still in a very dark place. At the beginning of the season, fans were still slowly coming back to the game after being pushed away for so long due to the strike. The addition of two brand new teams, the Tampa Bay Devil Rays and the Arizona Diamondbacks, helped the game reach brand new fan bases, but even then, something big needed to happen. Something so exciting and fun that it could bring in older while frustrated fans, as well as a brand new generation of fans, inspiring them and making them into new fans. Two players, Sammy Sosa and Mark McGuire, decided to put the burden on themselves. And boy, did it work. First, let me give you a little bit of a background on these guys. Sammy Sosa, the Six-foot-tall, 165-pound right fielder from the Dominican Republic started off his career with Texas before getting turned over to the White Sox. In his three-year stint with the two teams, Sosa recorded 235 hits and 29 home runs, averaging just under 10 home runs per year. In 1992, he would be traded to the Chicago Cubs, the stage where he would make a name for himself. Something kind of important to point out here is the home run titles in the six years leading up to the long gone summer. In 1992, Sosa had eight home runs. In 1993, 33 home runs. From 1994 to 1997, he had 25, 36, and 40 as well as another 36 home run season to put his career total at 207, a pretty modest number for the 28-year-old outfielder. But here's the thing. That's nine years of his career, and going into his 10th year, he had 1,035 hits and only 207 home runs. When it came to 1998, however, Sosa became just a completely different person, a different hitter altogether. In 1998, at the age of 29, 
Sosa had one of his best years yet, recording 66 home runs in a single season, clubbing a career-high 198 hits, as well as leading the leagues in runs with 134 and RBIs with 158. His 416 total bases led the league as well, all of this coming with a league-leading 171 strikeouts, a total that would be matched by himself actually the year later. And actually the year before 1998, 1997, he had 174 strikeouts. So, in other words, Sosa was swinging, and swinging hard, at everything. He either got a hard base hit, he hit a home run, or he struck out. Nothing really in between. The other side of this home run race came in the form of Mark McGuire, the then 34-year-old Pomona, California product. McGuire was originally drafted to the Montreal Expos in the 8th round of the 1981 MLB Amateur Draft out of his high school, Damien High School. But he decided to not go with that draft and try his luck a few years later after deciding to go to the University of Southern California. After just three years in college, McGuire was drafted by the Oakland Athletics in the first round as the 10th overall pick. And from there, he became a standout player. After only playing 18 games in 1986, his rookie contract stayed intact for his 1987 season at the age of 23, where he played 151 games. In that 151 games, he recorded 161 hits, the highest number he'd hit in his entire career, as well as 49 home runs and 118 RBIs. The 49 home runs was enough to lead the league, as well as his incredible 618 slugging percentage. Mark McGuire would go on to win Rookie of the Year pretty easily, as you can imagine, and his first of 12 All-Star Game appearances. So, already, the Californian first baseman was making a name for himself as a serious offensive power threat. From 1988 to 1992, McGuire would continue to send baseballs flying out of the park, recording 168 home runs in the five-year span, and another 601 hits to the total as well. Various foot injuries plagued the young star in 1993 and 1994, limiting him to just 74 games and 18 home runs, nine of which came in each season. But by 1995, he was back and better than ever. And at the age of 31, McGuire would swat 39 home runs and another 52 in the 1996 season, which led the league at the time. Just a year later, he hit 58 more home runs as the Athletics decided to trade him away to the National League and the St. Louis Cardinals. And it was with the Cardinals that McGuire was locked into this home run to home run battle in 1998, the year he would hit 70 home runs, a record that wouldn't be beaten until 2001 when Barry Bonds hit 73. Both of these incredible players at the time had one goal, and one goal only, to completely shatter the single-season home run record set by Roger Maris, 
all the way back in 1961 when he slugged 61 home runs at the age of 26, which at the time broke Babe Ruth's all-time record, which sat at 60 home runs that he hit during the 1927 season. The home run hitting frenzy started in April for Sosa when he hit six home runs in 23 days. But between May 3rd and July 31st, that total jumped from seven home runs to 42 home runs. Faster than you can say Roger Maris. Sosa slugged home run number 62 on September 13th, 1998 off of Milwaukee pitcher Eric Plunk, which was, by the way, Sosa's second home run of the game. That home run would have broken Rodgers' record if McGuire hadn't done it five days before. And that just goes to show you how close this home run battle was the entire time. I mean, in the same time span that Sosa hit 35 home runs, McGuire hit 33 home runs. On September 16, 1998, a 434-foot shot off the bat of Sosa tied the home run lead with McGuire at 63 home runs. So they had both broken the record, but they're in early September, so they're still pushing to see how far it could go. Sosa hit home run number 64 and 65 against the Milwaukee pitching staff on September 23rd and hit his final home run of the season, number 66, on September 25th. McGuire, on the other hand, would hit number 64 and 65 just a day apart before hitting number 66 on September 25th as well. But when Sosa went cold on the last three days of the season, McGuire did the opposite. He was as hot as could be. McGuire would have back-to-back days with two home runs in each, putting his final home run total and the record that was only held for another couple years, at 70 home runs in a season. I mean, that's some pretty incredible stuff. And I think one of the best parts about all of this is the fact that these two guys, when all this was going on, were on two teams that hated each other in the Cubs and the Cardinals. The long-standing rivalry, I feel, amplified this home run race as It also had a big part to play in the final standings between these two teams. I mean, they're in the same division after all. Although the Cubs' Sammy Sosa lost out on the home run record, he was the one that got to face off against the Atlanta Braves in the NLDS. The 83-79 Cardinals, on the other hand, would miss out by six and a half games. But regardless, I think it's safe to say that both of these players, Sosa and McGuire, played a huge role in getting their team to those winning records, while also having a bit of fun themselves. The Cubs would end up getting swept in the NLDS anyway, but, you know, what a way to finish off that incredible season. But let me put into perspective just the sheer amount of home runs that these two hit. McGuire finished with 70, Sosa finished with 66, and the next closest to them was Ken Griffey Jr., who had 56, followed by Greg Vaughn, who had 50, but everyone else, guys like Albert Bell, Jose Canseco, Vinny Castilla, and on, had 49 or less. I mean, even Barry Bonds, who was the eventual record holder, 
only had 37 home runs that year. I mean, these guys were really on a tear. And it was exactly what the doctor ordered. I mean, fans everywhere started coming back to the MLB. You had your old and previously frustrated fans that seemed to just kind of forget about the woes of the league from the past few years, as well as fans that were just watching baseball for the first time. I mean, all of them were just attracted to the sport again just because of the show that these two put on. Now, I've heard stories from so many people talking about coming home and flipping on the TV or flipping through a newspaper to try and see who got a home run last night, who was in the lead for the record. I mean, it seemed at the time that no one really cared about much else other than the home run lead. The fireworks that these two and so many more around the league put on ignited the passion and imagination of fans everywhere, young and old. But I think that there's something that I should point out here that might explain how these players, who hadn't even broken 60 home runs in a season before, got to this point. I mean, I think it's unfortunately safe to say that PEDs had a huge part in it. I mean, Mark McGuire has already admitted to it, as he received the drugs from his brother, Jay, who is a bodybuilder. Sosa, on the other hand, has not admitted to it, still keeping his feet firmly planted, saying that it was just a good year for hitting. Now, although he continues to deny it to this day, Sosa's career has been, and unfortunately probably forever will be, linked with steroids whether he admits it or not. Earlier in the episode, I gave you the totals of the home runs that these two players hit before 1998. And that was on purpose. I mean, McGuire breaking the record didn't really seem that far out of place, but even he hadn't hit more than 58 home runs in a single season. And not only that, but when McGuire hit 70, he was 34. And already 13 seasons into his career, like, he wasn't just some young phenom, like, he was a pretty old guy as far as baseball's concerned. Sosa, on the other hand, only hit a high of 40 home runs before he hit 66, with pretty much every other season being well below that total. But you see, at the time, no one cared. I mean, looking back, I think a lot of fans, both new and old, and, well, probably the teams and the owners, I mean, they probably knew. There's no way that they didn't. But, you see, it didn't matter. Baseball was in such a bad place at that point that just something big like this needed to happen, especially if it had to do with just the survival of baseball and the MLB just in general. It's very possible that the MLB were very aware of this situation and the cheating that was going on between Sammy Sosa and Mark McGuire. But why would you stop them? I mean, why would you stop these two when they're literally making the game of baseball way more popular and restoring the faith in the sport that many had lost because of a few years ago? And I mean, on top of that, whether they cheated or not, that summer gave birth to just a whole new generation of passionate baseball fans that lasted well beyond that season. 
And hopefully they pass it on and pass it on and pass it on. So in next week's episode, we're going to be talking about a few professional teams that were recognized by the MLB that only played one, maybe two seasons before completely changing their brand and becoming the teams that we know today. We'll talk about teams like the Seattle Pilots and the Houston Colt 45s and the strange history behind these teams. Thank you for listening.